and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's uh, Justin Mullen, and uh, if you want to contact the podcast, you can by Twitter, uh, at Justin Mullen, or by LinkedIn, you can connect with us on that, or even email me at uh, justin.mullen at cisco.com, two L's one L. Is that yeah. right, Mark? I was going to say, you looked a little bit confused about your email address there. I know, it's weird, because we're, 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 you might notice the audio is a bit different, because we're in a different room, you we're in a different country. By different, you mean better? Yes, because <laughs> we have professionals, <laughs> we've got professional AV people involved. <laughs> So uh, we're in we're in Ireland. We are in Ireland, and we and we we've, we've got to start with a bad joke here because we've got an Englishman, a Welshman, and a Scotsman, yeah. but no Irishman. Not. Hello, Steve. I'll, I'll say top of the morning. You just come having no Irish person. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. So so Steve, why are we, what are we doing in what are we doing in Ireland, mate? Well, well welcome to Ireland first of all, right? So yeah. we're here in Callingford, which is uh, on Loch Callingford, which is just in the border between North and South Ireland, uh, and we're here for the Irish Partner Forum. So, yeah, uh, you invited us over, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Silly sod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to regret it already. You should have done. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. As soon as you said it, you're no, no, not going to do it. So, Steve, you especially you after the rugby last weekend. Oh. If I'd known that was going to happen, you definitely. So you're putting a timestamp in now. Yeah. Yeah. That means I've got to get it out on right, time. So. You've got to get edited and out <laughs> on time. No pressure. That's, that's why I hate that now. I'm such a novice. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. It's good. You keep keeping us on. No keeping us honest. No time. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So, uh, what, yeah, but we're not. We, we're over in the partner for an island, which is actually lovely, beautiful part of the world, and and it's miles. My, my, it's about an hour away from Dublin. Yeah. We all thought we were coming into it's Dublin. An hour away from everywhere. Is yeah. it an hour yeah, away from that's everywhere? We, that's how we give the directions. <laughs> Start from somewhere, and it's about an hour from. Yeah, an hour you didn't tell it. us that though. When we got to the airport, you're like, I've got an hour drive. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but we're in the. You got us talking about security because we're in the security house. Oh, do you want to? Oh yeah, yeah. Because we're doing it in Callingford. But why, why, why here? Right. Because and how is it set up? Because that's really interesting. It is cool. So I guess I mean the, the idea, the concept was to try and do a, 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 a you know, to go away from that traditional get a bunch of people into a room and kill them with PowerPoint. So what we've done is we've taken over the whole village of Callingford. Right? They have. And, and, and the Cisco army is coming in. We have about three hundred partners here, and and it's the, the theme is do it like a music festival. So so what we've taken over is different public buildings in. The, the village, and we're, we're running different themes in in, in the different buildings. So. Yeah, and then the house, so we're in the security house. Security yeah. house, yeah. And You're so going to ask me about the other houses are now, are you? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, remember, I know there's one on uh, data, in it? Analytics? Yeah, there's one in, uh, on recurring revenues. There's one in software. There's one on uh, DNA. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's an IoT one. No, that already? was last year, wasn't it? Uh, I'm out of date. So anyway. we'll, we'll get one for you. We'll, okay, one. we'll do one anyway. But, this, so, but we, we, they've got all these different houses around the village, yeah. and we're in the security house. So we're yeah. talking security today. And yeah. so what we're doing is a, uh, a live Mythbuster. See, I can't even say it. Yeah, you see, you myth tried to say Mythbusters. Cisco earlier. Security Mythbusters. Yeah. 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 And I've apparently, you this is a big thing show on, on TV, on the Discovery Channel, all about myth busting. I can't even say it. Myth busting. Myth busting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand why you don't watch it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Because I can't afford Sky, that's why. <laughs> um, so I, these, these Steve and Mark have explained to me to know it to a long end of what mis the Mythbuster show is. So now, and that's what we're going to use as the, as the format for exactly. sharing Cisco security with our partners today. Exactly. Right. So yeah. how are you going to do it? So what's so how are we going to do it? So so, so we're, we're going to get we're, we're running six episodes of MythBusters today. Right? Six and episodes. We're, we're going to run some uh, a different security theme in each episode, and uh, we're going to take the best bits, and you're going to work your magic and Pull put it all together for the next podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. Steve, you're officially co-hosting today on the podcast, or am I co-hosting you? It's uh, yeah. Well, I think we're, we're doing it together. It feels like a joint effort. It's a, a Scotland Wales. Irish kind of 
connection. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yay. So, you, so you're the one of the RSMs here, aren't you? So I run the, I run the commercial business for Ireland. So I'm, I'm probably the only Irish-ish uh, person in the room at the moment. So just because you live here. Just because I live here. There we are. Well, that's a good enough reason on the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, hope you enjoy the podcast. So welcome everybody. Welcome to the Cisco Security Mythbusters show. So um, we've all been challenged to be a little bit more creative in the way we, uh, the way we present the mission to you today. So, so the way we are going to do it is a couple of different things. One is, if you've been to a lot of security presentations recently, generally they involve two things. One is getting the bejesus scared at you. And the second one is somebody will talk about GDPR. So we're going we're gonna to try and avoid these. <laughs> well done. So there's a fine if anybody talks about GDPR other than us. But, uh, <laughs> so, so that's two things. That's a promise. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to try to focus on what we believe the customer challenges are and how you as partners can add value to that and hopefully try to drive profitable business uh, using, the, using our solutions. The other thing we're going to do differently is we're going to do it in the theme of Mythbusters. So this is going to be an interactive session. Right, and right well, uh, can I just put, does, who hasn't heard of Mythbusters? It is just me. It is just me. So of the 180 people... There you go! So of the 178 people that we asked... <laughs> so yeah, it's just you, mate. Yeah, you, need, you need to get a telly. <laughs> so, Mythbusters, so we're going to put up some statements, some statements about security, and we're going to challenge you to tell us whether you think they are facts or myths. Right, and there's prizes, prizes that are I'm ready. that are varying in quality depending <laughs> <laughs> depending on the quality of the answers we get back. So if you give a kind of okay type of answer, you're going to get that's naughty pig. That's naughty pig. That's not bad, is it? Keeps the stress level down, makes, <laughs> makes you smile. Right. Ready for the next one. If you make a real <laughs> of it, right, you're going to get you're going to get ransomware for dummies because <laughs> we feel you might need a little bit of education. Right. If you nail it, if you come up with a real plum answer, you're going to get the star prize, which is a genuine leather RFID blocking wallet. It's easy for me to say. Ooh. Ooh. Did we like have to prompt that one, did we? Last, this could be the best one. Be <laughs> one. This could be. We had one lot after lunch, we had to use a defibrillator to get a question <laughs> So, uh, moving on. So, look, we thought to make this interesting, we thought we'd better, in, uh, better uh, invite some talent along to, to talk to you. So, assembled before you are, are some of the top security brains within Cisco, or at least within this room, within Cisco. So, uh, so let me introduce the guys. So, over here, we have, we have Vitor. I think Vita sounds like a superhero, Vito Ventura. <laughs> Vito's from the Talus Group. So, so your background is you've 17 years in, 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 in yep. security. Uh, you're a security researcher, threat researcher within mm -hmm. Talus. Yep. The other bit I thought was really topical was you were the lead responder in both the Cisco's response to both Netia and Warwicker, yep. which happened, both happened this year, right? So, so, and then I'll introduce Mark Weir. So Mark, Mark Weir's the newbie in, in the company. So Mark's, Mark's four weeks in. Still trying to get his laptop working. Uh, uh, and, and so Mark's just joined to be the, the leader for the UKI uh, cybersecurity team. Right? And Mark's just joined from Fortinet. Um, he worked for a number of vendors in the market, both in security, but also in data center and software. But I think also, back to the point, you know, we're trying to make this relevant to you, you, you did have a background working in the, in the partner community as well. So you, you, you have empathy for that, <coughs> excuse me, for that role. And, and la last but not least, the, the man I'm now referring to is Scary Mark. Right? 
because <laughs> Mark, Mark's a, a security consultant working into the UK government, so advising uh, around the government cloud, around the NHS, mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the scary bit is you do some stuff that you told me, if, if you told me not only would you have to shoot me, but delete all record of me ever existing. Yeah. Yeah. You, have that, you have that kind of capability, right? So, yeah. so Mark's quite interesting. So, so we've got a fair range of, of expertise here. Uh, I think Justin and I are bringing the average down in terms of expertise, so just to Definitely. keep it honest, right? So we'll be asking stupid questions if you don't. First statement we're going to put up is, so educating users helps security. So fact or myth? So remember, just remember the quality of prizes we have here. Oh, we've got, so oh, 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 got people talking. No defibrillator in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fact, yeah. All right, why do you think that? Um, a lot of uh, modern attacks are via social engineering rather than just brute force attacks. So educating your users, uh, you know, helps your security architecture, you know, tenfold. That's at least a pig. Throw it back to the panel and see if we can upgrade you to a wallet. Without any shadow of a doubt, users are, are one of the strongest assets you can have in your security environment. Um, we often refer to them as the weakest link, but I'd, I'd kind of like to change that narrative a little bit. They, they are our first line of defense in most cases. Um, and, and we shouldn't, we, shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't place that burden of you know, stupid users and, and so on and so forth on them. I, I think we're wrong from a security professional perspective to do that. Um, you know, most users aren't stupid. It's just we build security systems that aren't intuitive, and we expect our users to kind of be security professionals and understand the world that we inhabit. And I think we've fundamentally got to change that that narrative and understand that security's got to be much more embedded and much more transparent. And only then will it become much more successful, and we'll move away from that stupid user concept. But but education is a fundamental part. I think what we need to always remember, though, is that education isn't the panacea. You know, there's often that idea that that um, we can educate our customers and we'll prevent all phishing attacks. It's never going to happen. There will always be somebody who's stressed, under pressure, drunk, or something similar who will click on a link. Uh, you know, so we need to make sure that whatever systems are designed and built um, are able to withstand you know, that, that first click. You know, it shouldn't be click and then you're compromised. So that comes back to the whole defense in depth, building security as uh, an end-to-end -end architecture and an end-to-end -end set of capabilities. And, and from your point of view, I think it's about trying to take that message to customers. I think when end customers get involved in security, it can sometimes be very blinkered. Uh, it can sometimes be very focused on one particular challenge or one particular area. And I think what we've got to try and do is open that aperture up a little bit and broaden that conversation out away from just that single point focus to something much, much broader. Mark Weir, you've been around many different industries or many different customer uh, companies. I think that's what I'm looking at. And so what's your view? It'd be good to see because you've got a... You mean Mark's uh, been at, Mark Jackson's been at Cisco so long? I yeah, think I'm hoping he says Cisco inside it. I mean, yeah. I had a, a real life example of this with a with a customer. Uh, the, the reality is, I think educating users has a place, but only as part of the de defense and depth strategy. The um, I was lucky enough to be invited to an intelligence only uh, agency uh, at dinner, where we were sent a, a survey on our phones, and, and there was enable. You know, you press that button to enable, so you can see it, and the malware is injected in that. And in a room of intelligence people, 90% of people were hit by that. It wasn't real malware, it was a survey. So, um, but I think self included, Mark, yeah? Yeah, well, no, actually. <laughs> so I think education goes so far. But for me, you have to move ahead. We have to uh, view that. So I, I spent a lot of time with the board of this company, uh, educating them on the sophistication of the people that are attacking them. 
the whole Nigerian Prince Emil, etc. Worlds on from there. These gangs hire marketing specialists to make sure that the look and feel of the attack is similar. But also, do you know, every company has their own language of words that they use, and they understand what those words are and replay them. And also, tick that the most effective fishing tool is greed. Um, so, so this attack actually was a survey sent by this company's HR department. One in ten people will um, will get an iPad only if you respond within three hours. But sent it at seven o'clock in the morning, where they know most people are using their mobile device and not a PC or a Mac. So, yes, I think education's part of it, but uh, we need to understand that actually the reality is we have to treat it as a is, is if our network has been infected and actually have a defense and depth strategy to mitigate that. I see this every day. So, we, for instance, if we have an attack done with a, a Word document, you can have an attack done with a Word document that will activate a macro and the user need to click on it, or you can have an exploit on, a, on, on, the, on that Word document that the, the user just need to open it. So the big difference here is that you can educate the user, but if on his day-to-day -day job he needs to open a Word document, even if he is educated not to click on macros, it will still be affected. So you need to have several layers. You need to educate the users, but you need to have the technological components and the procedures also to help them. And we see this every day. We see several ways of packaging malware. And at the end of the day, education is really crucial, but it's not just on clicking a link. It's also things like opening a PDF, which is standard operations on a, on a business every day. So, and people will click on it. So you need to have the education, but you also need to have the technological controls to help them. It's just a, another part of the process. So that sounded like a, a fairly easy one to get us started, did it? So it's wrong, right. isn't it? I, th I think we'll call that fact, so well done. <laughs> okay, moving on. So best in breed. We, we talk about people buying security, best of breed solutions for different parts of the security solution. Is that all you need to be secure? Dave from Type Tech. Well, I tell you, best of breed, you talk about dogs. Most best of breed dogs have inherent diseases. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're overbred. Well, this is a, techno a technological question. So we are talking about techno technology. But security is more about, it's more about, it's about procedures, it's about process, everything that is, and it's about people. So you can have the best technology that you can throw in. And if you, for instance, if you don't educate your users, you'll have the same problem. So it's about having this in conjunction, well, not the best of breed, but having all the, the layers that you need for your cake. You need to have the procedures and you need to go everything that goes on top of it to be, to be able to be safe. And well, as much as you have the, the best of breed today, well, the adversaries will have the best of breed tomorrow to go against you. And you cannot keep buying new best of breed while they can be just building new technology every day and exchanging between them. So it's, all, it's about, it, this is just a piece, technology is just a piece of your solution for, for security. And whenever we, talk, we think about malware and, threat, and threats that, that are out there, well, they're just reusing most of them and repackaging them in different ways to beat the new technology. So you see malware that is 10 years old being repackaged and still going, bypassing all the best of breed technology that, from today because it was just repackaged. So think of that. When you think of the best of breed, you don't need, they don't, they, if they don't need the best of breed, well, you, do, you, don't, you cannot say that you just need the best of breed. You need something else to go on top of that. And that's all the, all, all the rest of the procedures and the process that you, that you need. It's, yeah, it's, I, I think that. for me, the, um, if you look at it's about having threat intelligence that's actionable. So understand what the threat is. Some of, some of your guys uh, spot that somewhere else in the world and be able to action that on your network as quickly as possible at every ingress point. And, and if you look at point solutions, I look at point solutions as individual threads. They're really good 
but threads are quite brittle. You can snap them, you can cut them quite easily. But when those threads are bonded together to create a fabric, they're very strong, they can create parachutes, bulletproof vests, etc., etc. So they're the same components, but only when they can actually link together are they strong. And, and our industry really needs to mature. If you look at two years ago, 45% of security appliances sold in the UK are from small 1% or 2% market share. Today it's 35%, so the trend is going towards that. Customers need that to be more ethical, um, have a better security posture. But that isn't about single vendor, it's about maybe uh, Cisco working with people like VMware and F5, etc., to have that integration ahead of time. And also, I would link it back as well. We're going to have between two and 300,000 vacancies that we can't fill in the UK and Ireland. And so you want the ability to be the most secure you can with the least amount of people or, or run your managed services to be able to do that. But for me, it is about those threads combining to be a fabric. And if you see point solutions that can't combine together, they're a weakness. Go on, Mark. So, so, so I think, I, I mean, without wanting to repeat too much, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, the best of breed concept has been driven out from a vendor perspective for a long time. You know, I think we've been driven as an industry to buy the shiniest, latest technology in security because security is a very technological conversation often. And so we get sort of sucked into that vortex of, of buying that point product to solve that problem. The problem is, as you amplify that out uh, and look at all the issues that we've seen over the last four, five, six, seven years, it has been that almost that kind of technology whack-a-mole, you know, have a problem, buy a box. And so what you end up with is a stack of boxes, which funnily enough, don't really solve the problem. We still sign to find ourselves still being popped by you know, vulnerabilities and weaknesses, as Vitor said, that, that have actually been solved because we forgot to patch something. So we might have the shiniest, best-of-breed box protecting our perimeter, but we actually forgot to patch that Windows 7 machine, which has been the route in, and, and at that point, it's game over. So I think we can sometimes forget that there are some slightly more mundane things we can do from a technological perspective that aren't just about deploying best-of-breed technology. Coming back to Mark's point, it's got to be built as a system. Um, you know, we have... You know, it's a technology arms race. You know, the security industry is all about the arms race. And, and, and again, Vitor mentioned this, we need to get better and need to chip that game because we're never going to win the arms race because the bad guys are far more determined and far better resourced often than we are as defenders. So we need to think differently. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that pretty well busted. So would you, I hope you appreciate the, uh, the effort that's gone into the graphics here, by the way. A lot that was done People with my son. People are starting to leave now. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we promised them beer the last session. Okay, risk. So business leaders don't understand the risk. What do we think about that? Uh, sorry, my name is Cormac Hughes and I come from Beckler. Um, I would believe that business leaders do understand the risk. It's just the, uh, whether or not they're capable of dealing with the risk. And you mentioned briefly there a minute ago about a huge lack of security specialists in the market. Um, <clears throat> so one of the, like the industry is crying out for uh, pen testers and stuff like that, people with the specialist abilities to go in and tell business leaders where the gaps are. Um, so I'm thinking it's false. Okay. That's, That's good, guys. I think it was good. He used, he used some jargon as well, pen testing and stuff. Going in, uh, Mr. Weir, you start this one. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, if you had asked this question two years ago, I would have said that a lot of business leaders didn't understand it. I think actually uh, both the Irish and the UK government have done a good job working together to educate boards and speaking in a very simple language, but the, the reality is um, you can understand it to a point, but I think 
a lot of people don't actually measure what the impact is. Everyone's looking for that silver bullet. And I had a CEO say that was recently, all I want, Mark, is to be 100% secure. How much is it going to cost? And, 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 and it's quite hard to say as a professional, you know, if you work in data center, I can build you a data center that works perfectly. In security, you have to be comfortable that you can't resonate that problem to 100%. So what you've got to do is create a strategy that mitigates as much as you can while understand what you're not mitigating because it's too expensive or it doesn't work for your company and then understand and measuring that risk and working with it. Um, I think probably about 10% of business leaders I, I meet today uh, really understand it, fundamentally understand it, have got a plan around it. Um, but actually if you then change that just slightly to how many have prepared for the reality is we're all going to be hacked at some point and got a plan around that crisis, I'll say not a lot. And, and the, but, but the reality is all these companies have a business continuity strategy, but for some reason cyber's not linked to it. But it's is you know is um, important a risk is you're building burning down or you're having a flood or losing some key members of staff. But for some reason, it's not linked to a BC strategy, which has been around for 20, 30 years. So, go on, Mark. So, so I think for me, I'd agree. I, you know, I think that the the thing thing that we expect as security professionals often is that we expect senior business stakeholders to understand cyber risk in cyber terms, which is wrong. You know, my CEO doesn't care how many pieces of malware my gateway blocks every month. Absolutely zero interest. You know, they have a set of risks, a set of key indicators, a set of metrics that they'll be operating their business under. And it's our job as security professionals to be able to articulate the impact of the things that we do and that we care about in their language. And if we can't and, we, and if we fail to do that, that's, that's where we're always going to be in that bucket of, well, that's security and that's an IT problem. Um, because we're not relevant to them as individuals. We're not relevant to their business outcomes. And I think that's where the, the industry has to mature. So you're right about the, the, the lack of technological skills. I think we also lack that middle bit of being able to translate. You know, you've got 17 vulnerabilities in your MongoDB instance, blah, blah, blah. You know, turn that into something that I care about. And then I'll be able to understand, A, what my investment profile needs to look like, because that's always a battleground. You know, why do I need to be spending all this money on security? Isn't it done yet? You know, GDPR, sorry for swearing, but you know, that's, that's a point in time thing. There you go, I've done my security. Let's move on to the next thing I need to worry about. Security isn't like that. Security has to be driven from an investment perspective as, a, as an overall life cycle. And the only way we can do that is, our, is articulate to senior business leaders what the impact is to them in their language. Uh, and that's not, that's not easy. It's very easy to say, but it's a very hard thing to do because we've not historically done that. We've always been obsessed with the bits and bytes, but we need to translate that and start to talk yeah. differently. Yeah, um, thinking on what, picking up on what you said, uh, pen test going and tell what are the gaps, that's, that's exactly the point. A pen tester will never be able to say that because if, if, you, if, you, if you put the pen tester talking about vulnerabilities, he won't be able, for once, he won't be able to map those vulnerabilities into the business risk. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Mark is, is, is it, it, that's the point. You need to translate that into the risk. You need to have a threat model and see how those threats affect the threat model so that you can determine the risk that you have. So we at, we at, we at Talos, we, have, we take this so seriously that we have a group inside Talos, which I'm part of, that what we do is actually translating everything that Talos does from the bit and the byte into something that can be understood by the CEO or by the technical guy. Because otherwise we will just be sending out information, very technical information, which in fact doesn't really help everyone. And there's a big gap exactly on the point where you get the, the very technical guy who will never be able to translate that 
And then on the other side, you have the, the very business-related guys, the risk guys and the, the CFOs who doesn't understand the cyber. So you need, really need to translate that message and transform it into the threat model. And whenever someone says, oh, I'm doing a pen test in my company, so do you have a threat model to compare it against? Oh, no, I don't have it. So first of all, how are you going to see if you are evolving on the, ne the next pen test that you're doing if you don't have a change in your threat model, you don't, if you don't know your uh, threat landscape? And second of all, how will you translate those vulnerabilities into actual risk that you need to address? That's what you want to do. You want to reduce your risk. You don't, need, you don't want to just patch vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I was, yeah. I was with the Financial Conduct Authority recently, and I said, it's great that you're bringing compliance to bring standards, but that sets a minimum standard for our industry. And actually, that minimum standard might not mean that you're secure. Yeah. So that's the problem, really. And, and I was trying to echo to them that they need to say that compliance is not the goal. I was at a training course a couple of weeks ago, and, and, a, and a chap sort of really articulated that point well. And he sort of said, well, look, this pointing to his laptop is one of the most dynamic IT environments we have ever known. And yet we think it's appropriate to test its security once every 12 months. Yeah. yeah. So, How is that appropriate? So I'm getting busted. Yeah, that's agree? it. Sorry, that's and, a, and a bonus, question. a bonus pink thing for uh, for Howard. Then. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well done, Howard. You mentioned about the lack of like the the training and the education for security analysts, and there is a, a huge cry out for. I think you mentioned seven thousand between UK and Ireland or something like that. Three hundred thousand. Three thousand. <laughs> slightly off. You were close. <laughs> um, how do you think that would be addressed? Because like I don't think uh, colleges are really pushing it as a. I think, or yeah, I, I think they're, they're certainly ramping up um, training by itself. There isn't enough people to train. Uh, there's a city in China at the moment that are trying to train a million people. Um, but for me, it's about looking at a variety of ways, training people, cross-skilling people, um, but also embracing artificial intelligence. The reality is, if I'd pick one, it would be AI. You know, everyone goes on about micro-segmentation of firewalls, right, just dicing it up to make it more secure. But actually, you can't use manual processes anymore to do it. You have to use artificial intelligence to do it. We've got to catch up. But we've got to look at different ways. Managed services from, from partners is key. Partners have never been more relevant than they are today. And actually, the area that this is going to really hit the most is that commercial medium sector. Banks, central government agencies will always be able to hire the best talent. The next level down will really, really struggle, and and if we don't and if we don't embrace it now, we're only I mean we're in 2018, right? So we used to talk about 2020, uh, three four years ago, um, but that you mentioned you're struggling to get pen testers today. If you're struggling today, you're going to really struggle tomorrow. So you have to embrace a different way of doing things. I think the I think, like, ooh, I think ooh, like, Mark's still going. Oh, Mark, no, no, no. I I was just going to say. So so you're right. I think there's there's an awful lot of activity in trying to educate. You know, even, even right down into primary and secondary school, the challenge we face is it's going to take a long time for those people to actually get into the workplace. So we need to start thinking about how do you get people who are in work already doing that job skill, tra you know, training in a different way, which is training people, and refocus. I've taken people straight out of school. Yeah. But, but what's wrong with this? Um, we have to have someone to go through university for no. five years. Why not work together, do a hybrid? We used to have that 20 years ago where you'd have to do a bit of college and university and real work. But it's going to take us all together to guide and, and, and uh, but but artificial intelligence for me is a key area. We, we, we've just launched our, uh, a Cisco apprenticeship program in Ireland. Don't disregard experience because even though we need to, to teach people, they will need to have experience because you cannot teach everything mm. to whoever is, is coming out. We I, I do reverse engineering and I can teach anyone well wants to learn assembly, 
But if they, don't, if they don't recognize the patterns, they will spend days instead of hours. And that, those patterns, you, you, you start to, to, to view them inside the code, which is kind of weird that I'm saying this because it means that we spend too much time looking at computers. But if you don't recognize those patterns, then you are, you are just using too much time. So experience is really important. And they need both from people that like us that have it and need to share it, but also with do, do, doing the work. They, they, you cannot just teach them and then, okay, now you go and you will never do the same thing again. You need to do it every day. You need to understand it. You need to do it often to get that experience. Just a quick question. The so-called millennials at the moment have no idea of security. They're, they're constantly putting all of the information out there. They're going to be coming into the workforce in the coming years. How are we going to um, secure an environment when they start coming in with no idea of security? In terms of... Millennials. Yes. They just believe everything that they put on the point-to-point shop is secure. They just have no education at all. Just embrace technology um, and consume it like we would consume electricity and water. Uh, they probably don't see some of the risks. Uh, so it's our job to make sure that, as Mark said earlier, do not expect all, the, all, all of our users to be um, um, uh, security professionals. We need to design things that are adaptive and react to the state we're in. And, I don't know if I said earlier, it was a previous session. At the moment, I still feel we're playing the criminal's game. We're, they set the game and we haven't to play it their rules. We're defending okay. and what we need to do is move to a more offensive type uh, strategy. And to mitigate any problem, I mean, um, uh, the, the Talos guys look at actually where the threats come from, uh, but what we've got to do is understand the cause of them and remediate them. Uh, but uh, it's a big problem, really, but uh, um, you know, it's a, I, I don't think it's a problem that's limited to, to millennials. So encryption, is that all I need to be secure? No, no. Right, hands up, hands up. Okay, so tell, tell me who you are and what do, what do you do? My name is Stephen Mulligan, I work for Three. Okay. Uh, so no, encryption is not all you need. You need a whole bunch of other things as well. So you need people to behave themselves. You need people to uh, use proper passwords. Uh, you need uh, physical security. Uh, to stop people getting in where they're supposed to be. You need social security, so you need to have, make sure that your, uh, your employees aren't socially engineered. Vito, you start, go on. Yeah, so definitely it's not all, all, all you need. Encryption can be used on, on both sides of the fence. So the malware, the, the malware developers, they use it all the time, as you know, for, for ransomware, for all, all, all that you need. But there's also the good side that a lot of people, just last week there was this, this guy, a famous political guy in Spain, who was sending a signal message, which is an encrypted, uh, an encrypted channel. He was sending that message because it was really private, but then there was this camera filming him and seeing absolutely everything that he was writing. So when you think of, of, of encryption, well, that's just one of the components, just like you said. You need to, to think of all the aspects around the security besides encryption. I, I think for me, I, I spent a long time working with Crypt on, on a couple of projects in the UK, and I think what you what you find is there's a couple, of, a couple of trains of thought. One is that people put all their eggs in the crypto basket and think crypto is everything, um, not realizing that actually there's a whole bunch of peripheral elements that they need to worry about, uh, whether it's the people aspects, whether it's things that are supporting the cryptography. Um, you know, and I think for you guys from a partner landscape, it's about trying to expose some of that education. It isn't just about encryption at a really high level. That isn't going to solve all your problems. There's a whole bunch of additional things that make crypt good, but equally that make crypt bad. Um, you know, if you haven't got the right digital certificates, for example, then that can actually be a massive weakness in your entire crypto system. Um, but people don't always put the same level of attention on those sorts of things. So again, I think for you guys, you know, just understanding that people can get really obsessed with that. I've got to put crypt, I've got to put crypt. And yeah, actually, you know, people will find easy ways in uh, and avoid that kind of solution. Go on, Mr. Weir. Yeah, I think I, 
great answer for first answer. I think it definitely deserves a wallop, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the, the proliferation of encryption over the last five years has increased hugely. I think that's really important because uh, a lot of threats were coming from the inside, from third parties and contractors. But also you've got to understand the impact on the application that you're encrypting, make sure you don't slow that down. And, 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 and have your defense and depth all over the area, perimeter, application side from application level security, um, but, but also the people. And, and people miss, I think, the physical side of cyber protection, making sure you've got the right protection on your data center or on your key IT assets. So thank you very much for that. And the thing that's coming to mind, though, is that a lot, we're seeing a lot of malware is encrypted nowadays as well. So how do we... Is that, is that a, a weakness for us or is that an opportunity? No, I think it's an opportunity. I think the, in, 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 I got asked a, a question recently by um, a media person said, do you think partners are less relevant today or more relevant? I think partners are the most relevant they've ever been because you've absolutely got to look at these new areas, these new problems, this new threat landscape and guide customers. Most customers I deal with haven't got all the answers and they need partners to be able to decipher what vendors will will tell them against what the threat is and actually come up with a strategy and help them on it. Brilliant. No, I, I was just going to say, pick up on, on the point, um, and Vito mentioned it as well, around the, the malware encryption. You know, there's a, there's a huge amount now of a trend towards encrypted malware streams. And I think there's that real challenge that a lot of customers are facing, which is that, okay, how do I differentiate between what looks good and what looks bad when it's all encrypted? Um, and that, that is a genuine problem. And of course, you know, without wanting to turn it into a product pitch, you know, that's where we're trying to innovate in some of our technology these days around uh, some of the Cat 9K and things with the encrypted threat analytics because it becomes such a critical area to understand is what's actually going out the infrastructure. You know, is it legitimate, is it not? And this encrypted threat analytics that we've now got in some of the latest products gives you that insight. You know, there's some real smart intelligence yep. that, that the team have done around trying to decode what that looks like. Not necessarily breaking the encryption, but seeing the, the behaviors that an encrypted flow you know, what a bad encrypted flow looks like versus a good encrypted flow. And again, bringing those to customers uh, in your environments is, is really critical because that is a real, a real concern, I think, for, for a, lot of, uh, a lot of customers. These so what do you think, Steve? I don't, do you think we've missed anything there? Any comments from the, the crowd? No? I think, I think what I'm hearing is that's busted. Busted. All right. So, okay. So I think, and I definitely think that deserves a wallet. What do you think? There you go. Yeah. A round of applause as well, maybe. Brilliant. There you go. What, what a swat. I know, first one as well. We're going to run out by the end of this. <laughs> right, okay, so moving on. Second one. Right, so security. I'm scared going to talk to people about security. It's just too complicated. Any, any views from the audience? Um, personally, I wouldn't say security is complicated. Um, it's just a matter of stripping it right back, I suppose, for the, for the end customer, um, starting at the basic level. You're, you're start at the AVAS, get them comfortable with the conversation, start at your firewall, and um, bring in, obviously you mentioned GDPR <laughs> earlier on, so yes, GDPR as a, as a, as a term is extremely complicated, but if you, I, I feel by dumbing it down, you, you can make it easier for the customer to understand. Hope that makes sense, I really want that pig. I should, <laughs> I should have probably explained if, if, you, if GDPR is part of your answer, you get a ransomware for dummies, but all right. <laughs> I mean, I, and this is one that I actually kind of wanted to throw in because I, I've, done it, I've been at Cisco 21 years, uh, most of that time in security, and, and, a, and a constant pushback from the account teams is, I won't go and sell security because it's really hard and really gets really complicated really quickly. And I think often that myth is, 
is around the perception that I need to understand every piece of malware, every name, every attack type, and all that kind of stuff in order to have an intelligent conversation with my customer about security. And I think that's where we fundamentally fail, is that we believe we need to be on that level to talk sensibly about security. The reality is, for me, and where I spend most of my time now, is actually elevating that to a conversation about business. Because at the end of the day, security is sort of interesting to a point. You know, it, that, that detail's really great that, that Vitor lives his life in. But ultimately, it ultimately boils down to what's the impact of the business. So the only yeah. thing I heard there was 21 years in Cisco. Yeah, I know. What moisturizer do you use? <laughs> I'd, I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you again. Um, but no, and, and, and I think that's where we sometimes kind of get it wrong with security. You know, security has an impact to the business. You know, that will impact reputation. It'll impact stakeholder value. It'll impact brand. All of those things are not security related. Um, they're things that senior stakeholders understand, and they're also things that we, as kind of you know business, on, you know people who understand business, we should be able to articulate to our customers. The problem is, is we think security is a technology conversation, and it's not. It's a business conversation, and we can have that about data center, about applications, about uh, collaboration technologies. We need to be having the same one about security. Go on, Mr. Weir. Yeah, I think. I, I, and I think it's a, it's a technology and a business discussion. I think what you said earlier, it's about, I see too many vendors or, or partners trying to scare customers, and actually that's the wrong thing. You know, a lot of the CISOs or CIOs will go and see haven't got all the answers. You know, they absolutely need the partners to work with them and not to concentrate on product, but to concentrate on the use cases that they're doing. And what I was doing was with a, a really seasoned CISO a couple of weeks ago, and he's, he's got all these issues, presenting by his board where he needs to get to, and he's almost looking at the top of the mountain to try and tackle it. And for me, it's about starting somewhere. Start yeah, somewhere. Absolutely. Let's get patching right. Let's look at perimeter security. Let's look at, I mean, everyone's going about segmentation. Well, that's cool, but let's get all of our other things sorted first. And it's about then understanding and mitigating as much risk as you can, and then measuring the risk you're left exposed. No one can be 100% secure. I wish I could. I'd patent it, and I wouldn't be working at Cisco. And I've only been here less than 21 days, not it 21 years. Feels that longer, years. to be honest with you. But yeah, it's. Uh, but, but I think it's about. I think we all. And it's, it's my view. I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. We're not just here to take money from our customers. We're here to help them and help them on that journey. And believe me, if you help them on that journey, we're going to make quite a lot of money. Uh, but I think we should focus on helping them and on those use cases and design. What I would say is write your strategy and let's start designing a way there. And then your point decisions along the way become a lot easier. So Vito, you must think it's everything's complicated because that's what you thrive well, on, isn't it? I, I would say, does anyone know what a no-ops sled is? Exactly. That's the point. That's the wrong way to start a conversation about security. If I if I come to a customer and ask to, uh, ask and start to talk about this, which is a, a way to work for, for an exploit to work, <laughs> by the way, it's the wrong way to start a conversation with a customer. So security can be very complicated. But it can be very simple depending on who you are talking to and what kind of message are you trying to transmit. Part of my daily job, is, besides doing all the bit and the byte, is also transforming the, the, the message that Talos has to give into something that everyone can understand, from the CIO to the CEO to the technical guy. And that's what we need to do. We need to transform the message from the technical byte. We need to leave that away and transform that into the risk. Mm. On one side, the cyber risk, but also help the, 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 our customers to transform that cyber risk into business risk, because that's the message that they will understand mostly. So it's not complicated. 
but you can make it really complicated. Just don't start by that point. Do you think people go straight to the, I think, right, I'm going to have, I want to go and talk about security, so I'm going to go dive in and speak to the security architects or the security people, or are there better people to go and talk to about this? Well, it really depends on what, 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 what's, your, your, what's your goal and what's, what is the context that you're trying to achieve. So if you are going to a customer and they have a specific problem, for instance, like ransomware, how can that affect their business? Then you need to, the message is the same, you just need to package it in a way that you're addressing the right people. So a ransomware, for instance, can affect immensely the business if your business is based on Excel sheets and Word, and, and Word, Word documents, for instance, if all, all of that gets encrypted. But that's, that, that's exactly what you need to do. You need to transform your message to, to depending on who you want to talk to. So, so, what, so what I'm hearing is, is we need to transform from a purely technological conversation to more of a business-led conversation. That's a method for probably get get a little bit more within our comfort zone and not getting dragged into the technology. Yeah. And, and I think, Steve, I, I think there's a, we're playing the criminal's game at the moment. They're setting the rules, right? So DDoS or, or um, malware or application-level security. I, I look at that as like, uh, if you look like a fashion label, have different collections. The criminal's collection at the moment is denial of service or application-level security. So we're still playing that game at the moment. There's a change now if you, uh, uh, the UK government, the Irish government working together, formed NCSC to start combating that. But I think we need to change our mindset. And a lot of the, the customers I've seen really successful doing it is planning and designing a strategy haven't already been compromised. I, they're assuming now that it's not if they're going to be compromised, it's when. And actually come up with a plan for that rather than, oh God, we, we've, been, we've been compromised, that's a problem. You know, the reality is eventually, we're so, all going to be So we busted or, or well, sort of busted. <laughs> sort of busted, right? Yeah. The statement is security is everywhere. It's not just the security products. So anybody have a point of view on that? It, it should be everywhere, but it's not. And it's often not designed in from the start. The network is designed, the applications are designed, and then suddenly some, somebody says, oh, we should look at security. And it's plugged in and uh, into the gaps later on. It should be part of the process right from the start. And it's not just about technology. It's about people, process, and technology. The old adage. Um, Get another seat at the front, I think. And, and, and I, I think he's done this before. And I guarantee you, if you look at it uh, and what people have spent on their security uh, and the um, percentage of the, te- of the capabilities of that the security they're actually usually using, you probably say they're using about 10% of the capability they actually have from a security per- perspective in the organization. Yeah, so... We need to think of security as it needs to be absolutely everywhere. We see, when I'm doing my regular job, I see a trend of change in the way that things are done. And if you don't have security everywhere, we won't be able to address that. A good example is, right now we are leaving the ransomware world, this is a tendency that we are seeing, into the mining world. So the adversaries, instead of encrypting data, they will just, they are, well, they are changing to, uh, their business model for a recurring, recurring revenue model. So instead of ransom the data, they will just plant miners and those miners will, crypt, will mine their cryptocurrency. That is something that most companies are not ready for. For the simple fact that you don't see it happening. It might, it might uh, well, use a little more resources on your, on your systems, but it doesn't disrupt the business. So most companies won't be able to see it. So if you don't have security embedded in your operations, you won't see it because you don't see the spikes on the CPU being used. 
So you need to have security everywhere. You need to do a security by design, just like what it was already said. When you start a project, you need to embed it in, the, in, in, in everything that goes around the, that project. And that this, this is a, me a message that you can take to, to the customers. You need to do the security by design. You need to, to have security everywhere so that you can see these little differences. So most companies are right now waiting to see their files encrypted. And for instance, they are already mining cryptocurrency for their adversaries. They are making roughly $8,000 a week right now, some of the groups. And that's a lot of money if you think that, well, it's just sit there and just mine money for them. So yeah, you need to have it everywhere so that you can see the difference. Come on, Mr. Jackson, you look like you want to dive in. <laughs> I've just got a permanent look on my face. You do have a permanent look. Um, for me, this one play, kind of plays to, the, to the, the, the general theme of this session, which is the, um, and, and actually the previous point around security being a complicated topic. And actually, if you're comfortable selling networks, you know, traditional enterprise networking, security is a, is, is a key differentiator in that conversation. Um, and it's something that we often miss when we are talking in those terms about general networking technology. But, you know, as I say, having spent most of my career in security, you know, it, it's really about embedding it into the router, you know, the switch conversation, you know, NetFlow, segmentation, all of these are really important tools in the security kit bag. And yet they're just simple uplift conversations from, from designing and building a, 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 you know, an enterprise network. Um, and, and those things can make a fundamental difference to the way in which customers react to uh, kind of security incidents. If you look at WannaCry in the NHS in, in England, um, a lot of the challenges there were down to lack of segmentation. Yes, there was a patching issue, but had they got better segmentation and better visibility, both of which could have been instantiated by the underlying network, they'd have been in far better shape than they were uh, with, with the number of uh, sites that were impacted. So for me, it, it's, it's just an uplift on that standard conversation that you're having around and introducing it in and, and showing the additional value. Uh, I think for me, the, the silos that we talk about, data center, you see applications and, and um, security networking only really live in our minds. Actually, in real world, all those are merged now with DevOps and cloud, et cetera. And I think, um, again, a key uh, value for, for our partners, and I'd like to think Cisco to a bit, but it's really our partners really understand our customers, is really understand, and going back to your point earlier, really understand the business of the customer. Everyone goes on about speed to get applications out, new speed, whatever. Well, actually, if you sat with the app dev team before they start coding, you can actually build in some of the principles and save time for that development cycle while still doing the right amount of testing. And I think if you look at the assets around the organization, one of the most difficult projects in IT is to segment the network. It's a very difficult project to do. Partners are probably best placed. Customers probably haven't got the skills. Mm -hmm. Vendors make kit, generally. <laughs> um, good kit, but, but yeah. make kit. But also, I think you can also use what we class as traditional IT assets to make um, uh, and the environment more secure. So, this is my son's input because he thinks I sound like Shrek. He did say sound, not looks like, right? So, uh, <laughs> so ogres are like onions, and so is security. Anybody ever, anybody ever viewing that? Is that a fact or a myth? Don't say it's gone quiet. Come on. Somebody must have an oh, opinion. I'm going to pick somebody if you don't. Oh. Yeah, yeah, pressure's on. Yeah, Mike. Mate. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to link it to all the layers of an onion and all the layers of security, yeah. maybe. Something. I actually thought it was an artichoke, but they, they voted me out. Ah, yeah. That was it, actually. So why you uh, well, just, I think just uh, because it's such a fragmented market and the complexity of it, or the, or the interpretation of what security is. I think that deserves a ransomware for dummies. That's the worst <laughs> answer we've had today. <laughs> <laughs>
Take the book and keep I think, quiet. So <laughs> I think we better ask some, some intelligent people and, and uh, get the panel involved. Justin? Go on then. Vito, you start us off. Is it an well, onion or is it an artichoke? <laughs> well, yeah, I believe it's like an onion. We need to, to, to think of it as, first, to keep our organization safe, we need to, to have a multi-layer defense. And our big prize is in, in the center. So you, you have, just think on, on email. Email, it, you will probably have some cloud layer, then you'll have some antivirus or some malware protection on your service checking the email, and then you'll have on the, on the endpoint something that is also checking. So it's a multi-layer, it's three layers that you have there. And that's how you need to do, because not all technology will look the same way, so you need to have a multi-layered approach. And also, don't forget that procedures and processes are, are also part, and people are also part of, of, the, of those layers, not just technology. We see, for instance, when I'm looking at malware, there is usually, and these, the bad guys do it very good, they use seven layers of encryption, of obfuscation on the malware. They use PowerShell, they will use VBScript, they will use a huge amount of things. They, I've even seen guys using VBScript to create a Word document that then will have another VBScript inside of it to launch uh, a PowerShell, which where where they started from. So if they use this amount of layers to hide what they want to what they want to de to, to deploy on your systems, oh, well, there's a reason for that. And this is exactly the same thing at a, at a larger scale, but we are talking about the same thing basically. Go on, Mark Jackson. You're looking like you're itching again. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's going to start start do it again. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, this has been the, the cliche for, for many many years. Uh, whether it's onions, whether it's castles, whether it's uh, other things that have lots of layers. Leaks, I don't know, schlocks. Um, pick All your right, vegetable of choice. <laughs> the, the point is, is that you should never be reliant upon a single point within the organisation to fail in order for breach to happen. Um, you know, so whether that's uh, whether that's at a technology level, whether that's a people level or a process level, there, there shouldn't be, where possible, the opportunity for an attacker to break one layer and then simply have the keys to the kingdom. You know, that's the simple idea: is that you've always got to start to look at well, what happens if that bit fails? What next? And it's looking at it from an attacker's point of view. Um, you know, it's, it's, well, just assume it will break. And, and you'll often get pushback when you're talking to clients. Well, that will never break. And we were talking about it earlier, weren't we, Mark? You know, it says, uh, well, my generator will never break down from my, you know, from my data center. You know, that will run permanently and it will keep my data center alive. Well, what happens if it does? What next? And sometimes thinking about the onions, thinking about those layers, is, is about challenging that perception that sometimes customers might come back to you with. Well, no, that'll be fine. My encryption's, you know, AES T56 and all this. It's, it'll never break. But what if it does? Or what if somebody gets around it? What next? What other layer do you have? What other control, procedural, technical, or otherwise do you have to provide that level of protection? And I think in your organizations as partners, you have that opportunity to challenge some of that thinking and maybe take that conversation that little bit further. So rather than simply responding to the, we want to buy this box, what is it going to protect for you? What is it going to provide? And maybe there's other things you might want to consider further down the line to augment that control as well. So, so, the, so Matt, can, I, can, I, can I challenge you, Mark? You can. I mean, we, we keep seeing this marketing slide which says most of our customers have got like 40, 50 different security mm. vendors in their network. Mm. Is that not lots of layers? <laughs> Uh, I'm just trying to think, desperately think of an analogy of a vegetable that might be akin to that, but I can't. Um, no, no, it isn't, it isn't. The problem is those layers are just, are, are not integrated. You know, what we see where we've seen uh, customers with 50, 60, 70 different vendors in their, in their security portfolio is there's gaps all over the place because those vendor components don't communicate with one another. They don't integrate. So I've got an analogy. That's like a jigsaw made up of loads of different jigsaw Of parts. the wrong just pieces. just don't all fit together. It's a jigsaw of the wrong yeah. pieces. Yeah. I just made that up. Go. It's, I just made that it's good. Yeah. It's the hat. It's giving you intelligence. I think just to expand on that, I think for me, if you look at 
uh, individual threads that make up fabric. Individual threads by themselves are quite brittle. You can snap them, you can cut them really easily. When you bond those threads together to provide a, a strong fabric, that becomes very strong. You can lift weights of it. You can use it for parachutes, etc. And that's the way I look at layers of security. So if it's just a thread, i.e. a point solution that's not connected to anything else, it's a thread that can be snapped. If it's lots of threads that can be combined together to provide a fabric, then it's very strong. And, and actually, that's a very easy way to actually understand and actually decipher. And if you think of, and I like to call hackers what they are, criminals. Criminals will always take the easy route. They are. The crooks. <laughs> the crooks, right? The crooks. The crooks. The crooks. Bad actors, whatever you want to call them. I just call them what they are. I'm from Newcastle. I thought Steve the was crooks. a bad actor. <laughs> the crooks. And what do crooks do? Crooks take the easiest route to attack. So if you look at I'm, I'm a castle fan. Uh, if you people go on about I a customer say recently like a Newcastle fan to be honest Newcastle <laughs> fan I am black and white uh, but uh, I had a customer say recently uh, uh, perimeter firewalls are dead I went but they're not because as soon as you remove them the crooks will use that way to attack you've got to have all your methods to attack and look at it but, but if you think about the thread and the fabric thing together that's the way I would look at it is it doesn't this come to mind though is that those layers of the onion or those the leaves of an artichoke and other vegetables are are out there is <laughs> Um, those layers don't necessarily have to be technology. It could be a yeah. person, it could be a policy, it could be a process. So it's not necessarily and, all about and, the tin. And, and that's, that's the value security. to the partners, though, isn't it? We, we reach... Uh, our customers have almost become... I don't know whether it, it's just obsessed sometimes with reaching for a technology solution to a security problem. And, and part of that's perpetuated by vendors like ourselves. You know, we unfortunately, marketing sometimes can take over. And... You know, we, we've got the next god box that's going to solve that ransomware problem or that, you know, whether it's threat intelligence or SIEMs or whatever it might be. But I, when I'm chatting to customers, the first thing I'll do is try and challenge, well, maybe there isn't a technology solution for it. And, and that's okay. It's actually okay to not have a technology solution. Because if that, if that deters from either the business outcome that they're trying to achieve or makes it more complex or more costly, then actually maybe there's a better approach, which is more procedural-based or personnel-based um, that, can, that can feed in. And again... I think you have the opportunity to potentially pull customers back from that conversation. Um, so, so, so I'm going to call time in this one, right? Because <laughs> it seems pretty clear to me that that's a fact. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Hey. Well done. Good day, Jake. That was a good crack, wasn't it? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I good. thought it was. I, don't, I, hope the, I hope the partners thought it was. Well, no, it was all right. It was good fun. Yeah. It was good fun. It got quite quiet over lunchtime, didn't it? I think we had the post-lunch blues, didn't we? The afternoon lull was, was a little bit hard. Yeah. Um, but but we, we picked up at the end. Even the, even the lull of the, the high-quality prizes that we were giving out still... <laughs> what? Some some squidgy, porky pigs? Yeah. Not porky, snorty pigs. Snort pigs. Yeah. Snort pigs. It, it, was almost, far. it was almost having to resort to a defibrillator at one point. Yeah. Well, you yeah, did, yeah. You are going to threaten them with a microphone up the nose. <laughs> 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 but we got through it. Was, it. it was good. It yeah, was some really good. We had some good questions today, didn't we? Yeah. Anyway, guys, um, thanks very much for, for today, and thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, well, we'll, we should do it again. We should yeah. do it again. Yeah, yeah if we'll you like, if you like the format, we'll we'll take it on the road again. Yeah, don't forget if you want to contact the podcast, you can email me at justin.wollen at cisco.com to us one out. You could tweet me at justinwollen. You could connect me, Mark, uh, on LinkedIn. Do you want, do you want to get? Do I need to contact you, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Especially if it's about rugby. All oh, right. Okay, we won't talk about that. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>